Thank you so much. Thank you to Aaron and Mary and our praise man. In fact, would you applaud how the Lord has used them today? We appreciate them. Thank you much. Listen, if they have not awakened your, uh, awakened your spirit today, they have at least uh, pointed us uh, to the cross. And we're focusing on the cross in these seven messages that we're looking at from uh, uh, seven messages, seven worship services. We're on the fifth of those that will conclude on uh, Palm, excuse me, on Good Friday, and uh, you want to be a part of that. Next week, we have our choir is going to bring a presentation in both services. We'll be looking at the sixth word from the cross, and it'll begin our uh, Holy Week. So you want to be a part of that. Then Friday, 6 o'clock, you want to be here uh, for a Good Friday service, focusing on the seventh word, and uh, we'll be observing the Lord's Supper. So it'll be great. Thank you. We're glad you're here today. We appreciate you being a part of our worship service. Always Exciting to come into the Lord's house, a beautiful day, great day to be in worship as well. I, I want to say a word of thanks. First and foremost, we want to give all glory to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I want to thank you for your faithfulness in all things. We've been praying uh, for the people of Ukraine. You know, we want you to know how Parkway is involved in ministry and missions close by around the world. And uh, this past month, the month of March, we encourage people to give and we're giving uh, to Southern Baptist missionaries in Ukraine, and uh, as well as to pastor pastors that we know and have worked with in that uh, country as well, and they're continuing to do that. But but you've given. I want to make sure that you know three ways in which you have or can do that. If you give to the church, we give eleven percent of every dollar to the cooperative program. The cooperative program helps us to share the good news around the world, with a focus particularly now on what's happening in Ukraine, Poland, and refugees and to help there. So if you've given the church 11% of that has gone. It used to be 10%, but because of your faithfulness in giving, we're now at 11%. And, uh, and then also you give because you've been so faithful in the past. We have, we have a phrase we used to never use in church. We have a surplus that we're using to uh, be able to give. So we're giving through that as well. And then this past month that you're giving, you gave over $10,000. Uh, that we're sending for relief. So you hear lots of things about sending relief and all of this, and, and uh, you know that you do that through your church. You probably, if you give anything to the church, you probably give in ways that you've never thought of before. And so somebody knocks on your door, would you like to give this charity or this? You might want to, nothing wrong with giving to other charities, those kind of things, but you might want to think, hey, you know, I may already be helping in that area because I do give to the church, and we appreciate you doing that. Have I asked you to turn to John 19 yet? Would you turn to John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30? So that uh, having said that, our emphasis is this month in our Easter offering. We always have an Easter offering. We call it the Annie Armstrong Easter offering for North American missions. Includes the United States and Canada. And uh, I know that North America is actually Mexico too. But North uh, United States and Canada uh, that is part of that. So we go to mission work. Our goal is $20,000 and we encourage you to be a part of that. So... Appreciate you doing that. Now that that commercial is over, we'll move on as we continue to talk about. We're in John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30, or at least the first line in verse 30. Verse 28 says this, After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the Scriptures, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, we'll, we'll stop right there. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word. So, okay, you've heard all about the slap. The hit that was heard 
around the world. My goodness, unless you've been living under a rock, no pun intended, you probably could not have helped but have heard about it. I mean, even if you weren't there, even if you didn't experience it firsthand, you've heard about the hit. And uh, what, what's your opinion about it? I mean, I think probably we all have the same kind of view about this thing. And, and probably, I mean, but we've been talking about this thing. Uh, you know, we, we've, talked about, we've been talking about this long before this week. I mean, have you talked about this before this week? Has anybody ever talked to you about this, maybe bef- about this before? Are we talking about the same thing today? Let me uh, tell you what, let's use uh, these initials and maybe this, will, maybe this will help you make sure we're talking to kind of clear this up what we're talking about. W-S and C-R. Are you, so we, now we know what we're talking about, right? As well, okay, good, good. Well, just to make sure that we're clear, let's just go ahead and just say the names. My goodness. Uh, W.S. Go ahead, you say it. Wonderful Savior. Wait, is that maybe... Oh, how about the C.R.? Let's try that one. Ready? Christ Redeemer. Because I'm pretty sure when Jesus was arrested and he was slapped and he was hit, I'm pretty sure that's the hit that was heard around the world, throughout the universe, and all the heavenly host heard that. For it was Jesus who was slapped and that he was hit and he was tortured and crown of thorns was placed upon his head. He was spit upon and he was ridiculed. He was taken to the place called the place of the skull where he was executed. Now listen, he was not beheaded. He was not shot. He was not hung. No, the Romans had come up with this particular method of execution that was meant for torture and then people would be asked to gather around and watch. It's the way in which the Romans were going to be able to keep the peace when those did wrong and they determined that they were going to put somebody away. they do it in this particular way. Now, that's, not, that's what we need to talk about. That's what needs to be heard so that people understand what took place because it is what Jesus endured for us so that we might not have to endure the sufferings of judgment or even the sufferings of this present world in which we live. These are the things that, can you, can you talk about the cross too much? I don't think so. We certainly sing about it today. We don't, can't sing about it too much. You can't talk about it too much because it reminds us that not only is it about the cross, but it's about the resurrection of that which brings hope. Now, if Jesus only endured the cross and all those things, it would simply be just brutality. We know that he was the only one who truly did not deserve to be hit or slapped or not to mention all the other things that he went through. In fact, if we're not for Jesus and the hope of the resurrection and everything that we go through, all the hits that we take, whether it be physically or in relationships or whatever it may be that we may be going through, it would just be brutality in this world in which we live with no hope. But because of Jesus... And because of the cross and because of the resurrection, there's hope, there's light in the darkness. Hope is found in the words of Jesus. Now, we've been talking about these seven words of Jesus from the cross, seven phrases particularly. This is one is a word. It's the shortest of all the phrases of Jesus. I thirst. Your translation may have said, I am thirsty. Uh, in the original language, it's just one word. It's just four letters. In fact, I'm sure you've said these words. 
some time before. You might be thinking it right now, but here, fairly significant because of the one who said it and because of the situation in which he was in. John is the only one to record this particular word from the cross. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to simply ask, what is the significance or why John included this in the events that took place on the cross? And what he said, we know that he said it. We're not questioning whether it happened and whether it's true. It, we know that it's true. It happened. It's significant. We only want to find out why it's significant and how it might help us to know and understand God's love and help us to be prepared. Because in the messages that we're looking at and what we're doing these days, we're trying to be prepared. We want to be prepared for Easter Sunday, yes, but to celebrate the resurrection every day. We want to be prepared to move forward, particularly what's happened in the last couple of years and so that we might be ready to fight the good fight. We want to be ready so that we might be ready to experience the victory already assured in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So here are some proofs from the cross. We're not seeking to prove the cross today, but what does the cross prove what to us and to be true? And one of those is this. You follow along in your notes, but it's this. Jesus knows and feels your hurts and pain. Jesus feels and knows your hurt and your pain. Jesus was human. Make sure, not like we sometimes say, well, I'm only human, maybe to sometimes excuse our imperfections and our sins, but he was also human. It's basic to what we know about him. He became human. He was fully divine and fully human. Now, he wasn't 50-50, half and half. He was 100% divine and 100% human at the same time. He was without sin, but he was not without pain. And so Jesus can say to us today, probably more so than anybody else could ever say this to you, I feel your pain. Thirst is a basic and terrible kind of suffering. Someone who was recently uh, hurt as a soldier in a war and had been left behind, uh, but survived, was able to say and about his experience, first blinding pain and then shock. When no one comes, the sun beats down. All the fears come that torment a person. Flies are tormenting. Bleeding continues. But one feeling continues to dominate the mind. Thirst. Looking back on that day, dominating his memory, he says over and over again, it was thirst. Jesus knew that agony. In fact, think about Jesus. He knew, he knows and experienced. He's been tired, sleepy, hungry felt pain, wept, he was betrayed, physically abused, killed by one of the most brutal forms of execution known to man. He knows our most basic and our most terrible kinds of hurts. Not long after the resurrection, there was a kind of a false teaching that was given that Jesus was not really human. He just appeared to be human. And I'm not sure why this false teaching come. Maybe some people didn't, somebody didn't want to think that the that if Jesus was God, then he really needed to suffer like that. Or maybe there were some that maybe just maybe thought that they were honoring Jesus, but they were misguided. Or maybe they just wanted to malign the name of Jesus. But whatever it is that you experience, whatever pain you experience, whatever sorrow you go through, even whatever temptation that you have faced, Jesus has already experienced it. So we literally believe what the psalmist tells us. Psalm 23, you remember one of our most famous psalms today is, Yea, though I walk through the valley of death, Psalm 23, 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. 
John included this event and these words because he wanted to say, My Lord knows the way through the valley, even the valley of the shadow of death, whether it be something that we're all going to experience or maybe even the death of a loved one. Jesus knows our pain. Kind of like but even better than a parent experiences the pain of a child or their children who has been left out or didn't make the team or has gone through physical sickness. There's no hurt that you can experience where Jesus has not been and feels for you at the very time that you are experiencing it. Another proof from the cross. Jesus fulfilled all of Scripture. Jesus fulfills all prophecies. The psalmist, we're using a lot of psalms today. One, because we're doing that hundreds of days of psalms and proverbs. And also because these are, some of these are messianic psalms. But Psalm twenty-two, fifteen, we actually read some of that last week. But in Psalm twenty-two, fifteen, it says, My throat is dry like a broken vessel. My tongue is fixed to the roof of my mouth. And the dust of death is on my lips. Psalm 22, a messianic psalm written about Jesus. It fulfilled that scripture. Psalm 69 and verse 21. Very last phrase. Are for, and for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. We just read that that's what took place. Jesus said, I thirst. It was the fulfillment of scripture. Just like the prophecy of being numbered among the transgressors. You remember he had the thieves on the right and the left side. Just like the prophecy of casting lots and gambling of his clothes. The giving of the sour wine that was given to Jesus is not to be confused in another passage where Jesus was offered wine mixed with myrrh before being placed on the cross and he refused it. The sour wine would have been a very diluted wine carried by peasants or soldiers and they soaked it in a sponge in order to give it to him. Did you notice what they put it on? We read it just a moment ago. They put it on a hyssop branch a hyssop branch very small branch or I think we may have a picture of it uh, from a small shrub and doesn't look like something that you put something up and raise you know to give Jesus a drink but it proves a couple of things one what we know about Roman execution is that it was uh, usually when they were executed or they placed on the cross their feet just may be a couple of feet or even a few inches there from the ground so a leafy branch would have been easy we talk about Jesus being high and lifted up and he was because he was on the hill of uh, sometimes we call Calvary or Golgotha but not so high that a soldier nearby could not reach up and touch his lips with a small branch but there's another significance Uh, this is a reminder why the details in the Bible are so significant now the soldier who would have placed a sponge with sour wine on a branch, probably would not have thought about this whatsoever. But John writes here because he sees the significance of being put on a hyssop branch. Where in the Bible do you know that word hyssop? Well, it's what was used in Exodus when they took the blood of the lamb on the night of the Passover and they put it on the lintel on the doorpost of the Israelites. It is the blood of the lamb that saved the Israelites from the Egyptians in Exodus. It pointed to the fact, of course, and a reminder that Jesus is the Passover lamb who was sacrificed. He is the fulfillment of Scripture and the true sacrifice for all of our sins. All of the Old Testament sacrifices of sheep and lambs for the atonement of sins pointed to this event that's taking place here. Jesus' words, I thirst, and how it was executed and taken out reminds us of that very thing. And then again in Revelation 5, the apostle 
John sees a vision of Jesus in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 6 where it says that he saw a lamb. And the lamb looking as it had been slain but standing. Looking as if it had been slain standing and standing there at the center of the throne. And then John says in the following verses from here, Then all of heaven and all believers bowed down and worshipped the lamb who had been slain. John writes specifically the words, Jesus said, I thirst so that all Scripture might be fulfilled and that may continue to see. Now, Jesus didn't say it. Jesus didn't say, now I'm fulfilling Scripture, so I'm going to say, I thirst. But John writes it here in particular. We've looked at a couple, of ver- a couple of those verses that it already could be. But what we find is that it is a fulfillment, or he is fulfilling, I think this is why John wrote it, of all Scriptures now, that had to do with the cross. So this one word from the cross becomes pretty significant for us. And we understand that Jesus' personal pain of dying of thirst fulfilled the Scripture so that all people might be saved who come to know Him. You remember President George Bush? Now, the regular George, H.W., I think. When he was vice president, his job was to go to... Uh, be represent our country at the uh, funeral of the Soviet leader at that time, Brezhnev. And the entire funeral procession was marked by a military procession. There was coldness and hollowness which enveloped it since the Soviet Union was officially atheistic. There were no comforting words, no prayers, spiritual songs, only marching soldiers, steel helmets, and Marxist rhetoric. Vice President Bush was close to the casket. And when Mrs. Brezhnev came by to pay her respects, this is what H.W. said. She walked up and took one last look at her husband, and there in the cold gray center of that totalitarian state, she traced the sign of the cross over her husband's chest. I was stunned, he said, in that simple act God had broken through the core of the communist system. When Jesus said, I thirst, it is coming to the culmination. It was the last fulfillment of Scripture having to do with the cross indicating that our Lord had been had broken through as the sacrificial lamb. If not the very last, it is one of the last that had to do particularly with the cross. Was, was Jesus experiencing agonizing thirst? Certainly. But he was also fulfilling Scripture. Some have argued that Jesus knew the Old Testament Scriptures, so he was sure to fulfill all of the Old Testament prophecies in order to fool people into believing that he was the Messiah. I argue Jesus knew all of the Old Testament scripture and he fulfilled all of the Old Testament prophecies because he was the one who was the coming Messiah and he was the only one who could possibly do so. All right. Everybody still okay? With me? Good. The cross also proves Jesus meets all your physical needs. Jesus meets all your physical needs. Jesus went thirsty so that you wouldn't have to. He cares about all of our physical needs. You remember Jesus was talking on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Have you wondered how to apply that? Does that mean that if you follow all the spiritual stuff, then Jesus is going to take care of all of your physical needs? Certainly. Jesus can take care of all of your physical needs. Even if you're not always following all of the spiritual stuff as you should, Jesus still cares about you and wants to take care of all of your 
physical needs. In fact, many of you could give testimony on how the Lord has been with you, maybe through some difficult times, how He's helped you through some physical illness or with relationships or financially, all of these. But still, sometimes we wonder, oh, what is God up to? Or does He really care about me? Do you, do you remember the story of the four friends who carried the paralytic to go and to see Jesus? And they came to the house. The house was full. They couldn't get in. So they drug him up on top of the house and they made a hole or they dug through and they lowered the man there in front of Jesus. You remember that? That's a story if you, if you don't remember it. But that's just, and so they lowered him there in front of Jesus. Jesus said a curious thing. The Bible says that he looked at the faith, at their faith, their faith, plural. Some people think he meant the four friends. I think he meant all five of them. Saw their faith and he said this. Behold, your sins have been forgiven. Now, the Bible tells us what the religious leaders or people were thinking around them. Who does this man think he is? Thinks he has the power to forgive sin. What the Bible does not tell us, it doesn't tell us what the paralytic thought or the four friends of Jesus, maybe, who are watching from above. I think we may have a picture, maybe, that might represent that. And it doesn't tell us what they were thinking at that time. Now, this may prove that I'm not as spiritual, maybe, as I should be, because... I'm thinking if I'm the paralytic or maybe even one of the four friends and Jesus says to me, behold, your sins are forgiven and I'm still lying there. Maybe I'm thinking that's great, Jesus, but I've got, I came here for another reason also. Now, don't misunderstand. The forgiveness of sin is so much greater than any physical healing. But there are times in our lives when we try to be spiritual and faithful and we try to be thankful for all the spiritual blessings. But if we're being real honest, we would like for God to take care of our physical needs, be it an illness, a relationship, a financial problem, or whatever. And maybe we feel a little guilty that we tend to focus on the physical more than the spiritual. I think it's okay to be honest with God and say, God, thank you for all the spiritual blessings. Now, let me tell you what's really bothering me. And here's where our trust in God really matters for whatever His answer will be. For then Jesus told and said to the paralytic so that the four friends could hear, so that everybody in the room could hear, so that we're still talking about it today, so that you know that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins, take up your mat, and walk. If your physical needs are taken care of, it's because of Jesus. If a doctor or a nurse has helped you somewhere along the way, it is because Jesus has given them the ability and the wisdom and the healing power for that to be able to take place, whether they're believers or not. All good gifts come from above. If you're able to go out and to work and to provide for yourself and do the things that you know to do, even under the Holy Spirit's direction, it is because Jesus has given you the ability to be able to do those things. He's given us. It all comes from Him. Or if it's in a miraculous way in which Jesus has somehow taken care of your needs, we understand that Jesus loves us and cares for us, and, he's, and it's because of Jesus. If your physical needs are not taken care of the way that you hope that they might be, it's because Jesus has something better in store. The physical sufferings of Jesus proves it to be true. He cares about our physical needs, but more important than that, He cares about our spiritual needs. Jesus meets all your spiritual needs, Or Jesus changes your focus from the physical and the worldly to the heavenly. Can you think of a a time in the New Testament 
when Jesus may have talked about the spiritual was more important than the physical. Okay, maybe there are a lot of them, but there's one maybe particularly has to do with I thirst. Anything particularly come to mind? John tells the story of Jesus meeting a Samaritan woman at the well. I think from The Chosen we have a picture maybe of that as well that we may show you and ask him for a drink. Samaritan woman had five husbands, was living with a man that was uh, uh, not her. She came there at noon in order that she might be able to avoid the crowd, but there was Jesus. And while Jesus was there, here a Jewish man asked a despised uh, Samaritan woman for a drink of water. And they began this conversation found in John 4, and they began to talk about it. And Jesus tells her about a spring of water, of life, of living water, which he gives whereby no one will ever thirst, welling up to eternal life. Now, in that conversation, she realizes that Jesus is the one who is the Messiah. She puts her faith in him, and her life was changed. She went back to town to tell others what Jesus had done and bring other people to those so that they might be able to meet Jesus. Now, John, the gospel writer, same gospel writer that's writing this particular word from the cross for us, he gives this detail. She left her water pot behind. Disciples returned with food. Jesus said, I'm not hungry anymore. And they asked him why he wasn't hungry. And where Jesus said his nourishment came from doing the will of God. It's not that you're never going to be hungry again. It's not that you're not going to be thirsty or want to do well on the job, provide for your families. But they will pale in comparison to following God. We'll find that seeking the face of Jesus and walking with him will put everything else in its proper place. The woman at the well still came to the well every day probably of her life. She probably wasn't all that worried about coming at noon anymore. Getting water was just a side issue. For now she had been drenched in the love of God. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 21 verse 6, To him who is thirsty I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. In the Old Testament, when uh, David was fleeing from King Saul, who had become so jealous, he was trying to kill David. Scripture said that David was held up in a cave, had gathered himself a group of men. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 22 says this, In addition, every man who was desperate, in debt, or discontented rallied around him. He became their leader. About 400 men were with him. Notice those D words, in debt. Desperate in debt or discontented. Boy, do those words sound familiar at all? People who are desperate like the paralytic to be touched by Jesus. People who are in debt with sin like the woman at the well. And we all need that forgiveness. And we're with Jesus because we're discontented with what this world has to offer. And thirst for something else and something more. For the, what the world has to offer just leaves us thirsty again. But Jesus went thirsty also so that you might become thirsty for the things of God. And God quenches and He satisfies that thirst every time we seek after Him. Again, you remember what the psalmist said, As the deer pants for streams of water, O my soul pants for you, O God. Here's another proof. Jesus expects a drink from you, his disciple. We might need to consider giving Jesus a drink of water. Well, how do we do that? 
on judgment day, Jesus will say to some, depart from me for I never knew you. And among other things, he'll say, I was thirsty and you did not give me a drink. (laughs) And they'll say, well, when did we see you thirsty? You remember? Jesus will say, when you did not do it unto the least of these, you did not do it unto me. Then in Matthew chapter 25, verses 34 and 35, he'll say to others, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And among other things, he's going to say to you, he's going to say to me, those of us who are followers of Christ, he's going to say, I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. When did we see you thirsty? Now, he could say, you saw me on the cross and I was thirsty. And now every time you give a cup of cold water, Every time you help someone, every time you share about Jesus, you've done it under the, every time whenever you've done it under the least of these, you've done it unto me. It's, uh, it's my desire in this series that we've been talking about the cross for you to, not because of my words, but because of the scripture for you to get a, use your sanctified imagination and get a glimpse of the cross and how it felt and what it was like and the words that were said there that were on the cross. So I invite you. Come close to the cross this morning. And while it's just, it's just four letters, it's, it's one word in the original language. I want, you, I want you to listen once again to the voice of Jesus. I thirst. Knowing what you know now about Jesus, if Jesus said, I thirst, what would you do? Like David, when he was in the cave with those 400 men, they just overheard him say, oh, how I yearn for the water from the well of Bethlehem. And so a few men decided that they would leave the cave. They'd fight their way through in order just to get a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem and bring it back to their king. So Jesus has said, I thirst. I'm not asking you what you would. What are you going to do? It's not too late. Because of the words of Jesus. Surely, here we have Jesus. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 42, it says, And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Whenever we give someone something to eat or drink or help someone in Jesus' name or share with someone about the good news of Jesus or expose them to the good news, we do it. Unto Jesus. And this God we serve, the one and only Jesus, the Almighty God and Savior, proven that He cares and for us and He compels us to share the same love and good news with others. So you've got a last blank if you've been filling it out, or we'll show it on the screen here, but a drink of water, cup of water, represents helping anyone in Jesus' name, including sharing the good news of the gospel. I will uh, I'll rarely bring a cup, bring a cup of water. On to the pulpit. Now, if you, some of you speak, and it's okay that you do, I just, and here's the reason why, usually, because I've sat where you are, where you sit, and whenever I see someone speaking and they have a cup of cold water, particularly if they take a drink, uh, mainly because I'm still easily distracted, may have a lot of those initials that, you know, people have that are easily distracted, I'm thinking to myself, gee, I'm thirsty. Boy, that would be good. 
So I brought a cup of cold water, and there could be, could be several reasons. We've been doing this work in the hallways, if you've seen the lovely uh, carpet and the floor, the walls that are there, but, and, but there's a lot been dust all week. Some of our staff left there, had to leave their office, just too much dust, and <clears throat> getting in the throat. Plus all the pollen that we have today, that'd be a good reason. In fact, I think it's, I almost drank some already today, but, uh, but those aren't the reasons that I brought this cup of, cold, cup of water today. I won't tell you why I brought it. Because I want you to be thirsty. I want you to be thirsty for Jesus. Why did John include this? What's the significance of it? So that you might be overwhelmed with the love of God and understand what Jesus went through so that you might not be thirsty for the things of this world, but so that you might be able to be thirsty for the things of God. So, so what's your reaction today? What are, you, what are you going to do? Because you've heard Jesus say that, I thirst. Well, it could be you found out that Jesus loves you so much that you need to give your heart and life to Jesus. You need to become one of Jesus' followers and be a disciple of Jesus. So whether you're here today or listening online, if you're not a follower of Jesus... It's true what it said in the Bible, all the things that it says about the cross and the resurrection, and we know that he's alive again, so you're encouraged even now. Don't let this hour pass without asking Jesus to forgive you of your sins and ask Christ to come in. It could be because of the words of Jesus that your faith is made stronger today because you've heard from Jesus again, you've come to the cross, you've listened, and and now because your faith is stronger, you know He cares for you. And whatever you're going through, you're going to put your trust not in yourselves and not be woeful because of the things that you may be going through that may be difficult. But instead, you're going to say, I know that Jesus cares for me. If He's not going to answer my prayers the way in which I hope, I know that He's got something better. Or it could be because of Christ, what He's done for us on the cross. You might be wanting to say today, I'm going to follow Jesus ever more closely I'm going to find myself more fully engaged in the walk that he would have for me. I'm going to be able to know that this one who gives living water not only is going to affect me, but because of that, I'm going to give Jesus some water by helping others, loving others, telling more people about Jesus, looking for those opportunities every day to represent him. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your words. Particularly, we thank you for this word that is significant in so many ways. We pray, Father, for believers, followers of Jesus. May it be because of your word that today our faith is made stronger than it was before we came in. May it be that we are seeking to follow you, not so that we might earn some prize or better place in heaven but because of what Jesus has done for us and may it be that we're ready to help serve others and we know that that's how we serve you and to share with others the good news we pray father for those who may be here today that do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior or even are unsure in how terrible a place it is to not be sure that Jesus lives in her heart or Gee, we have a home in heaven. So today we pray for those who do not know you or are unsure that today they can know for sure by calling upon your name, they can know that they have Christ as their Savior and Lord. We pray for that. In the precious name of Jesus, we lift these prayers. Amen.